everybody. This is Press for Time, a Gaming Age podcast. I'm your host tonight, Tyler, and joined, as always, by the incomparable Benny Rose. Hello, everybody. So tonight is the follow-up episode to the episode we did last week, which is Get to Know Us. Uh, We talked about me last week, and I ran my mouth for a little bit, so tonight we are going to get to know Benny. He is the much more interesting one of the pair, so I I have been very excited to get this episode done. I appreciate that. So, Benny, pretty, pretty exciting. Tell us about yourself. I don't know. I'm uh, 35, hairy. Uh, got a kid. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like vid games. You know the usual stuff. Other than your but, age, that's all. Uh, we're on point. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, let's see. I'm a Zelda, Kingdom Hearts, Resident Evil junkie. Those are my my babies, just like your souls born. I mean, I love those games too, but uh, you know, I got some ink embedded on my arms. Pretty much, Zelda Kingdom Hearts. Eventually, get some Resident Evil stuff on there. But uh, I've been in and out of the industry for many years. I did some ghostwriting with a friend, maybe 15, 16 years ago, a little, and 14 years ago, to be accurate. And uh, I've worked at pretty much every video game store you can think of and ones that you don't even know, like a lot of mom and pop shops. So, you know, through through junior high, high school, at high school, just GameStop, Funko Land, Babbage's, Electronics Boutique, KB Toys, Best Buy, Toys R Us. Uh, I think Circuit City is like the only one I really didn't work at or Target because they're not game stores. Uh, hmm. I'm a musician. I love playing music. I love video game music. I mean, I love, love video game music. Absolutely love it. Like, if I looked at my phone and looked at the majority of my music, it's either, like, retro retro wave music, which is, like, synth pop, stuff like that, or video game soundtracks. I'm a weirdo like that. So, I mean, I can go on and on, and I don't want to do that even though I know this is about me, but, uh, you know, I've, I've done a lot of things, uh, video game related in my time, which I'm very thankful for, like music I've written. I've always paid homage, you know, homage to like some games that I like. I, uh, I'm a co-creator of a web, uh, web comic from about a year and a half ago called yeah about that. And it was pretty much about a character based off of me and a friend and uh, another friend that kind of like worked in a game store and just always had like, you know, those weird scenarios with customers and pre-orders and scalping and, you know, weird stuff like that. So I'm really happy to have this podcast and be able to, you know, pretty much talk about games again, you know, in, in a, in a grand scale. So I guess that's probably more than, most people want it. They're probably like already disconnecting. They're like, ah, oh, we don't care about this guy. No, that's good stuff. Man. <laughs> um, so you said, you know, the music of games is, is important to you. What game do you think has the best soundtrack? You had to pick one. Huh, it's funny. I've been asked that question and I've been scrutinized numerous times for it, actually. Because most people would think I would say Legend of Zelda. And it's up there. But uh, Castlevania pretty much the earlier Castlevania games. And for me, 
Super Castlevania 4 is one of my favorite uh, game soundtracks of all time. Okay. That's not a bad choice at all. I'm not going to scrutinize that. It's your choice. You make that choice. No, I know. I mean, I, w- I was on tour once with the, with the band, and somehow video, you know, video games came up, and that question came up. And when I answered, people were like, but you're a Zelda fan. It's like, <laughs> They're like the legend of you know the the legend of Zelda theme, and I'm like, it's up there. I said, but something about the Castlevania music has always stuck with me in a different way because of you know like the archaic organs and you know just the I don't know the 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 weird timing and you know you start getting into the music side of things and it's just the the music's very complex. Yeah, and you know it's all composed and it's all heavily thought through. But Castlevania is just one of those games when I used to listen to the music, I put the game on and just like let Super Castlevania 4 just sit at the menu and just listen to the music. It's just awesome. Yeah. You know, back in the day when you used to have the uh, the sound modes, you know, you just go through the tracks and you could just let them play. The coolest thing ever. That's awesome. I, I love when <clears throat> games with good soundtracks come you can get a collector's edition that has the soundtrack along with it. I've got the Dark Souls 3 soundtrack, and man, some of those boss fights have just the most epic, fantastic music, and you don't you don't necessarily realize it when you're in it, but when you go back and re-listen to it, you're like, holy shit, that was, that's the music from X-Boss. I missed a lot of that because I was yelling at the TV and jumping up and down while I was trying to avoid getting murdered. Right, so and just dodging it at every second you could. Yep. So it's nice to go back and be able to look at those things later on and uh, revisit soundtracks. So and that's a good that's a good point, and that's I'm actually going to take your your recommendation on that because I mean, I played the game. I love Dark Souls Three, and as I as we've discussed, you know, I have to go back and finish it. So we'll we'll definitely do that. But I remember vividly like that first boss battle, like when the ground breaks. Like that whole scene, but like I can't remember the music, and I remember it just because I was just trying not to die. Yep. You know, but I remember that you know the the game has like a really powerful score, so I'm gonna definitely go back based on that. And I appreciate you bringing that up. Oh yeah, anytime, man. That's what I'm here for. Of course. I'm here to make you better, and you're here to make me better. That's it. Team effort. <laughs> um. So Zelda, tell me about Zelda. Why is why is Zelda? up there for you what makes that that series for you if it is if it's not if it's a different series tell me but it seems like zelda seems to be the common theme here yeah zelda is definitely uh the most important game franchise for me and it goes back to my childhood and you know everybody has that story of like the first game they played on nes and it usually was mario brothers or you know super mario brothers but for me it wasn't it was the legend of zelda and my mother, believe it or not, um, is the reason that I play Zelda the way I do. And the same with uh, one of my uncles. Basically, they, were, they weren't gamers, but they had a very specific taste in certain games. And my mother was big into Legend of Zelda, the original, mm-hmm. and, and Gauntlet. Like the arcade-style Gauntlet. Because yeah. uh, I don't know if I mentioned it on here. I guess I'll add it to my Get to Know Me. Um, when I was a kid, my father owned a comic book store. So I kind of grew up around all this stuff my whole life. So in my father's first store, he used to actually have uh, arcade cabinets. 
So he had stuff like Paperboy, Tron, uh, Robotron, and Gauntlet. And Gauntlet was something that my mother would come home from work. And I remember she she used to do like telecommunications. So she'd have, always have like that jumpsuit on and she'd come, you know, to the store and she'd, you know, get quarters from the register and she'd just play. And she would 10, 12 levels just every time she'd play, you know, and it was just awesome to watch that. And, you know, for somebody that wasn't a gamer, she was so dedicated at that game. And same thing happened with Zelda. So as I grew, as I grew up and the other Zelda games came out, we had that connection. You know, like every time a Zelda game came out, she was interested. And it was something that we can always kind of talk about together. So fast forward to Nintendo 64. I didn't get a 64 until my mother got the 64 for me. And she got it because she wanted ocarina of time <laughs> she was like look the system's for you the game's mine and it was just like the coolest you know situation of like this is your christmas gift but the game is mine because it was like the toys r us bundle that came with the gold cartridge and everything it was awesome so i mean that's ultimately like the biggest reason of why you know it uh it's been instilled in my heart for so long that's awesome so what is your favorite Zelda game? That's a tough one. I would have to say A Link to the Past. Oh, okay. Why A Link to the Past? Other than the fact that it's, you know, the best one. <laughs> there's there's so much to the game uh, that a lot of game, you know, a lot of the other formulas didn't follow. You know, a big portion of it, it was having, you know, the three segment uh dungeon in the beginning then breaking it down to the eight with the overworld and stuff like that like in the earlier games you didn't have that so that was like the first time you really got this new complex overworld you know and the music was dynamic that was another big factor with that game the intro the intro was amazing you know like having the the storm and him sleeping in the bed and you know trying to sneak into the castle and stuff like that it's just it was a way of telling a story that just, it was a way ahead of its time, in my opinion. You know, you had games that told stories, but it was a game that traditionally didn't tell a story. So to come out with the way, the comp, you know, the complexity that it had between uh, the villain, you know, having the princess be captured, having the sages, you know, be captured, all that stuff. It's just, you, you, you got better with other games, but the formula has always changed because they always wanted to make them better. But that game, in my opinion, when the uh, the 3DS one came out, I played it. I didn't play it thoroughly. It didn't capture me the same way. And I know that it somewhat is a sequel, you know, in the same realm. So it shows you that there was something about that game that just, it's very difficult to replicate, you know, and they, they tried. And the game was good, the sequel, but it didn't have the same continuity, that feel that, you know, picking that game up for the first time. So that's, I mean, Ocarina of Time is like a strong second, but that is definitely, without a doubt, my first. So I agree with you completely, and I have gotten a lot of flack for it. One, exactly that. A lot of people say, hey, well, we respect your opinion, but it's wrong. Ocarina of Time is better. And now, especially recently, after Breath of the Wild, a lot of people are like, okay, well, Link to the Past was my favorite, but now Breath of the Wild is my favorite. And I still stay, I still stand by, I think Link to the Past is the best one. 
and uh, it's interesting to hear you say that and give me reasons that I'm correct. <laughs> I've never been able to fully articulate why, and you know, I some of it's probably nostalgia. Some of it's probably that's the first one that I played, and it's from a certain time period of my life. Um, right. But I think, to me, you can't succeed without paying your makers, basically. And uh, Breath of the Wild stands on the shoulders of A Link to the Past in a lot of ways that I think people don't understand and don't necessarily catch. I think it's also a little early for people, too, because it's still fresh in their minds. Yeah. And they think as the time goes on, you know, when the game's not being spoken about every day, which it could be a while because people are still playing it heavily, you know, and then there's people that haven't even gotten Switches yet or you know, got the game for the Wii U without even having a Wii U or vice versa. So yeah, there's there's a lot of room for, you know, it paving its way into the history books, you know, of all the other Zelda games before it. But at the end of the day, I know a lot of people talk about how Breath of the Wild, they feel it's not really a Zelda game because of how different it is and how many directions, you know, are not the traditional Zelda formula. And you know what? They're right. You know, but when you when you play it, you know, tell me you don't feel like you're playing a Zelda game, one way or another. Oh you know, yeah. There's, there, there's there's just there's hues, and there's valid, you know, emotions that come with, you know, seeing Link on the screen, and like having this ability to change his clothes. You know, it's stuff that we always wanted. I feel, you know, it's like why can't we customize him? Personalized him. Exactly. You know, you can do it in all these other games. Why can't you do it with like the most popular hero out there? And yeah. now you can. And it's just, it's mind blowing because people kind of took for granted, you know, hey, I want the green tunic. But before it's like, I want change. And it yeah. just shows you, you know, you can't make everybody happy. And there's always going to be those issues. But you know what? Nintendo did right because even though it's behind paid. DLC, you know, Amiibos, you can get a lot of the old costumes, which I thought was a really nice touch. Um, could they have handled that better? Absolutely. But we won't get into that. That's a whole nother wall game. That is, but, that's um, a podcast all in of itself. Oh, yeah. And I don't like to talk about Amiibos anymore. Me and Amiibos <laughs> have, we have a history. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think that I would put Breath of the Wild up there with my tops just because of, you know, from the trailers. You know, when I first saw the trailer, goosebumps. I'm like, I don't even know what the hell is going on, and I'm sold. You know, like Skyward Sword didn't do that for me. Twilight Princess didn't do that for me. They looked great, and I was happy that they weren't Wind Waker as far as visuals because I like Wind Waker, but I was a late bloomer. Like, I played it on GameCube, and I hated it because I was that, you know, that type of person at the time where, oh, this is stupid. He's in a boat, and he's got a... You know, you got to go to the island. You got to, and I'm like, this is not Zelda, and that's where a lot of people, you know, kind of went. But then it came out on Wii U, gave it another try, and I loved it. I don't like the art style still, and I think Breath of the Wild kind of took a happy medium with putting in that cell shading style, but still giving him that detail that we all love. Yeah, I now I am an oddball. I loved. Wind Waker, uh, but I'm a sucker for cell, cell shaded and that style of art. 
in games. Right. So I was absolutely, I was hooked day one on the GameCube with Wind Waker, and I think I probably still to this day have the most time invested in Wind. Well, no, I can't say that. Ocarina, I play every year at at least once. I go back awesome. and, and replay it, but that's across different platforms. I played it originally when it came out, then I played it again on the DSs and everything else. In terms of just one platform, I think I played Wind Waker the most. And that's awesome. I loved it. I actually missed Skyward Sword. That's the only Zelda game I have not played. You're not missing much. I mean, if they if they port it to the Switch it would be cool because it would just give a lot of people that didn't get a chance to play it, play it, but do it without the motion controls for the love of God. Exactly. Well, that's one of the biggest reasons I didn't play is because everyone said, Hey, this is just yeah, atrocious. Even Twilight Princess, I, I played on GameCube. I did not pick it up on the Wii. Right. I forced I myself Wii. through, right. I forced myself through Twilight Princess, um, Skyward Sword. Yeah. Like holding the holding the Wii remote on the side of me. I'm just like sitting there. I'm just like, all right, I'm just gonna shake my wrist. Make yep. the best of it. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it was great that that technology was so innovative at the time and it was a great idea. But to restrict the game to just that, I think that was kind of a shortcoming that they didn't expect to, you know, get the flack that they got for it. But yeah. Hopefully lesson learned and you know, you put it out like you did with Twilight Princess, you know, where, you know, you got the definitive in their, you know, eyes version of the game, but with controls, not forcing you with motion control. Yeah. But we'll see, because uh, now that this is out, you know, who knows when we'll hear anything about another Zelda. So, I mean, I think this would be an opportunity for them to revisit stuff. I would love, absolutely love even though they did it already for the 3DS, if they did a, like, a legit remake of uh, Ocarina of Time, like new graphics. Oh, but, they won't do, but they won't do that. No, they won't, but I, I would love that. It would be awesome. Absolutely love it. Um, so we've talked about your favorite games. We've talked about soundtracks, but you are a musician, right? Yes, sir. So... Musically, let's take a let's take a, a detour from games here. You are a self-professed musician and lover of bad movies, as we discussed before this podcast. This so, is true. Uh, let's hear <laughs> favorite artist musically, and uh, what your personal favorite movie you consider to be a bad movie is. Okay. Well, if I like it, it can't be a bad movie. So. <laughs> I can give you a bad movie that I'll, I'll sit through. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll tell you stuff I like that I know most people don't. But uh, I guess we could do it with the music first. A uh, musician for me is Buckethead. Nice. Buckethead is, Buckethead is my uh, number one musical inspiration because he's a you know musician that does everything. I can play just about every instrument that uh, is needed to compose you know, a, a traditional rock kind of, you know, song. I, I do synth. I can do guitar, bass, do a little bit of backup vocals. I don't really consider myself a vocalist, but because I don't like to write, c- considering I, you know, I review games, but I, I don't like to write lyrics because I don't think I'm good at it. So I've always been kind of an instrumentalist. So Buckethead is the epitome of that. You know, like the guy puts out, two to three albums a year 
he has like over 70 albums. It's insane. People don't even know that. And like he can have five albums in a year and every single one of them has a different sound. And, you know, he's been around a long time and a lot of people, you know, might know him from like Guitar Hero. Mm-hmm. But I've known him since the early 90s. So he's definitely number one in my books. But uh, more recent, I've been really into uh, like synthwave. So pretty much like music that sounds like 80s soundtracks. Okay. And uh, my favorite band of all time for that right now is called Gunship. They are just, I don't know, there's something about it. It's like that 80s Miami Vice kind of synth with vocals, everything. Just laid back, chill. Only one album, but I, I probably listened to that album last year 150 times, not even exaggerating. And uh, Paul, our fellow editor at Gaming Age, good friend of mine, um, we took a trip to a con a couple years ago to AC, and I introduced him to the band. And we have a history with, he's always made fun of like the, the movies I like. So he's never really taken my opinion into you know, consideration. So we tried and I said, Hey, I want you to take a listen to this band. I think you'll like it. And it's actually, it's one of his favorite bands now too, which is, I think awesome. So, I mean, my, my music taste has changed over the years, but even Synthwave kind of has like that video game kind of aura to it, if you, if you will. So I think it all comes, it all stems back to that same core, you know, philosophy that's like in my blood. And it's just anything that's in the realm of video games, which is, I did, I never thought about it until now. And I did, it's pretty cool. Yeah. That's awesome. And Thank you. I, I'm in the same boat. I did not, uh, I had never heard of Buckethead until Jordan on Guitar Hero. Great song though. It really is. It's one of his more complex, um, semi harder tracks. Cause he has a lot of mellow stuff. But um, I could see why people dug it, and it's definitely one of the perfect tracks to put in a game like that. Oh yeah, so. it was a real good song. And what kills me is I've known I've been a fan of him, like I said, excuse me, since the '90s. But I still to this day haven't been able to see him live because he comes out to New York like once a year. Yeah, and he always ends up at BB King's, and every year he comes, I'm either at a, at a trade show, at a con doing something that's not in the state it never fails or <laughs> or i have like something going on with family it's just like it, I, oh i have like one day this guy's gonna retire and i need to see him before that so hoping for uh maybe next year because i think he's coming around this year already so yeah we'll see so movies now huh movies now we're talking like all time or just something that is like near you know like I don't know because there's so many. I can go in so many directions with this. I can, I could throw you a curveball. I can be straightforward. <laughs> However way you want to play this card. Uh, let's do. Uh, uh, do both. Tell me your favorite of all time and your favorite that's just near and dear to you. I'm gonna curse. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's tough. That's tough. Um, near and dear. I would say. Uh, never-ending story. Okay. Never-ending story is uh, since I was a kid, it's definitely uh, an important movie to me. 
because it was, I, I enjoyed it. It terrified me just because it was, it was, it wasn't, you know, as much as it was made for kids, it wasn't made for kids. It's a dark movie. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but um, it can traumatize a kid, you know, like, uh, have you ever seen it? Yeah. Okay. I mean, the kid's horse dies, like, what, 10 minutes in the movie? Yeah. Spoil, spoiler alert. <laughs> Movies from the 80s. If uh, you haven't watched it, you deserve the spoiler. Um, like, stuff like that. It's just, you know, the tone it was just so dark. But there was something about it. And, you know, I watched it a lot as a kid. Like, a lot. And, um I don't know. It's just, it's one of those movies that just, it moved me in a lot of ways and, you know, it never got replicated. Like, they came out with sequels, but they just, they just didn't stand the same, you know? Uh-huh. Um, and it's one of those few movies for me that, like, it stands the test of time. Like, I'm able to watch it, like, on Blu-ray now and can still enjoy it, like, watching it as a kid. When there, whether there's a lot of other stuff that I've watched and I'm like, I can't watch this. I can't believe I watched this, you know, like insanity. So, but I'd say movie of all time. Shoot. Uh, I'm a huge Arnold Schwarzenegger fan. I'm going to lay that out there right now. Like I was hardcore as a kid and uh, I would have to say commando. Okay. I mean, Terminator two, it's like really, really close. I mean, to me, they're two different movies. And, you know, Terminator 2 is a masterpiece. Like, it's just, there's nothing like it. But Commando is something that I watched a lot more, you know. And, like, there was a point where a, my best friend, that uh, when I was growing up, we used to count the deaths. Like, how many people he killed in the movie because we watched it that much. <laughs> I don't remember the number, but it, it was over 200 people in that movie. It was just insane. So, you know, it has some of his best quotes, some of the coolest action scenes. And he was in his prime, the badass, walking around with a freaking tree log under his arm or over his shoulder, one or the other, and just kicked ass. You know, that was like the epitome of an action movie in the 80s. And obviously he did 500 other movies like that. You know, but that one, you know, was definitely in my top. So I'm going to stick with my story and say Commando. I like it. Cool. Make a decision and stick to it. That's right. And I'm going to probably get crap from Paul. (laughs) Why wouldn't you say Terminator 2? I mean, it's tough, you know, but I'm going to stick with that. All right. Well, is there anything else that you want to uh, divulge today about yourself? No, I mean, I think uh, I'm an open book, people. If you want to ask questions, feel free. Same thing with Tyler, man. We we love the feedback we've been getting about the show. We love questions that people have been asking, and we hope you continue to do that. I mean, I don't want to, you know, we wanted to get this out of the way early in the show's running because we want to really get back to the nitty-gritty, which is about video games and how we balance our time you know, with the fact that we have our day-to-day, our lives, and, you know, that we don't do this full-time, unfortunately. And, you know, we hope we can do that full-time one day for you guys. So we're going to keep pumping out, you know, the content as often as possible. And this week really was a true test of the name of the podcast. You know, we 
are recording a lot later in the week than we would like. And it's just because we were pressed for time. You know, life gets in the way, and but it's it's a priority. But you guys are a priority to us as well. And I think in the next uh, couple of weeks, you know, leading into E3 and after E3, we're going to start bringing guests onto the show again. And some people are going to be industry-based. Some people are going to be maybe fans, somebody that might be listening right now. We do. Um, we started a giveaway on the Gaming Age website for a um, mobile game for iOS and Android. Um, the name is escaping me right now. I apologize. It is called Operate Now um, Hospital. And we're going to be giving away a $20 uh, gift card to one person that uh, downloads it, sends a picture to us uh, at Press for Time, number four, at GamingAge.com. You also get the chance to be on the show for about 10 minutes. Shoot the, you know, shoot whatever you want to talk about. And, uh, yeah, um, done plugging at this point. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that's the gist of it. I like it. What do you got? I mean, I know that this is my show, and I appreciate that. But you got anything for us? Uh, no, not this week. I mean, is there anything you want to go over? We're we're pretty much right about where we said we wanted to be for the week. Do you have anything you want to go over in terms of game news? Touch on a couple things before we uh, close we can, out. Yeah, I'd say we can briefly uh, bring up Far Cry Five is real. Um, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't know much about it other than. Uh, the artwork that was teased looks like it's taking place in Montana. Um, not sure the timeline because I'm not very uh, historically knowledgeable in it that route. It looks pretty modern or actually even postmodern. Right. Yeah, I wasn't sure because, um, again, we're just given kind of like a picture and we're supposed to get a trailer this week, I believe. Yep. I think so, tomorrow, isn't it? Okay. So, I mean, I guess we bring that up and then maybe next week we can discuss that and we can see you know what we think and maybe ask you guys what you think and we can discuss that but uh it's been pretty quiet on the gaming front this week i would say is there anything uh, else on red dead redemption got pushed to early 2018 and a shout out to um our guest parisi because he predicted that he did on our, on our e3 show so yep. shout out to you good job we need to start keeping and score Yes, we do, because um, as we said, we're going to end up doing an E3 uh, prediction follow-up, like either a little before and then maybe afterward to see where we stand with that stuff. So uh, I have one other shout-out. I want to thank uh, Mighty Mug for hooking us up with some mugs for our little sessions that we do with the podcast. Um, I'm loving it. And I believe Tyler's loving it. Oh, yeah. If, if you guys aren't familiar, Mighty Mug is exactly what you think it is. It is a like a coffee mug, essentially, but it won't tip over. It's some crazy stuff. It's like voodoo magic, man. Like, I know we're not filming audio uh, video, but I'm going to slap it a couple times. That's what she said. And it just doesn't fall. It's insane. I love it. I mean... I watched people with this thing and literally, you know, people seemed like they were over excited about it. And I was like, ah, these guys are actors. And then I got it and I was just excited, just as excited. 
Yeah, it is so, everything that the commercials say it is and that the ads say that it is. It was the most impressive piece of non-technology that I've ever received. I'm still I still find myself like testing it. Like I took it and stuck it up on the side of my desk at work. I'm talking about sideways. I stuck <laughs> it to the side of my desk and it, awesome. it held. And I was like That's there's awesome. there's absolutely no way. It, and the way that it works, it's so easy to pick back up. It's just, it just seems like it shouldn't work, um, but Agreed. it's astounding. So it has been, it has been a lifesaver for me. I don't have a coaster on my desk anymore. I'm not sitting here trying to make sure that I'm not typing too fast and knocking over pops all over my computer or anything like that. It just sits here, bloop, and I know for a fact that I don't have to worry about it falling over on my crappy little creaky desk. <laughs> and I'm pretty much on my uh, my dinner table. Essentially, it becomes my my work section and uh you know i have a lot of stuff on this table and the last thing i want to do is make a mess so yeah. a lot of times i don't keep a beverage nearby but you know when you're talking for 35 40 minutes or more you need some water something yep. and uh basically this really came in in the ultimate clutch so again thank you to mighty mug if you guys want to check them out be sure to go to uh, www.themightymug.com they have tons of great options and uh Maybe we'll uh, talk with them and see if we can maybe get some coupon codes, you know, hook you guys up, maybe do an, even a giveaway or something like that. So that's pretty much, I think, what we got for this week. Again, uh, I'm going to go ahead and plug one more for you. Um, All right. Sounds because good. Because I, I got hooked up with some, some pretty sweet gear here. Um, so for those of you that don't know, I'm kind of a controller fanatic. I really like different controllers uh, across all systems, Xbox, PlayStation, everything. Um, and I actually had the opportunity to go hands-on with the controller people's click sticks. So, for those of you familiar with like a scuff controller or paddle controllers, stuff like that, it's a similar concept, but instead of having little buttons back there or little paddles, they can be kind of counterintuitive. Not, not bad, um, but not necessarily the most natural way to play. These click sticks are just, they're like the most comfortable way to sit and play at a higher level. Um, it's got little, it's exactly what it says, little click sticks right in the back where your middle finger would fall on both sides of the controller. And instead of a button or a paddle, it just requires the slightest amount of downward pressure, and that activates the stick. Not only, do the, not only that, they have your L2 and R2. They make PlayStation 4 controllers only right now. Um, your L2 and R2 has an adjustable switch on it, so you can either have it set to go all the way in, just like a normal controller, or you can cut it off, kind of like the Xbox Elite controllers are. Um, so you have a lot more precise pull on it. Then nice. you've got joysticks. You pop the joysticks off and put different sizes on, different uh, concave, convex, all kinds of different cool stuff. And uh, they come in custom colors. I have been very impressed with the one that they sent me. Um, they sent it out. Awesome. I've, I've tried. I've tried everything with it. I've tried playing Call of Duty. I've tried uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. I've played Bloodborne with it. And it's just. It's very, very natural. They don't get in the way. They're not. Uh, they're not counterintuitive. It just. It makes sense, and it feels good. Um, so, if you guys want to check them out, you can find them at thecontrollerpeople.com, and you can actually build your own customized uh, clickstick controller. We're going to have a written review up on Gaming Age here, hopefully tomorrow or the day after. Um, I'm pretty much done writing that up, so I'll get that sent in. And uh, 
you guys can check that out to get a little more detail and uh, some pictures. I'll have some pictures go along with it. So uh, definitely, definitely keep your eye on that. But if you are someone that likes controllers and you have a PlayStation 4 and you want to see kind of what the hype's all about, go check them out. Like I said, it's thecontrollerpeople.com. Uh, so go go build yourself a controller, make it the way you want it, and go to work. And if you do that, be sure to uh, snap some pictures when you get it. Send them over to us. Press four time at gamingies.com. We'd love to see what you guys, uh, you know, come up with. I'm sure there's a lot of creative combinations you can do. And, you know, you might give us some ideas because I'm pretty intrigued in maybe uh, getting a controller myself. So maybe you guys come up with a cool color scheme. I might steal that idea. Yeah. There you go. Cool. Uh, yeah. I think that'll about do it for this week, man. Yeah, man. So I think next week maybe we will try to do a little bit of a longer session. Maybe we'll have somebody on. Maybe we'll see uh, Parisi, somebody like that, and we can just go all gaming yeah. the, uh, the entire podcast. I'm all about it. Cool. Well, again, thank you guys. As always, we really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen. Thank you for the feedback. Thank you for the kind words um, You know that you guys are – liking what we're doing so far and you know again we're not trying to mimic anybody else's podcast we're trying to do it our own way and you know have fun while doing it so we appreciate it thank you thank you and uh we'll talk to you very soon yeah um i'll do the last obligatory plugs for us come check us out on uh, www.gamingage.com i guess i don't have to say www anymore this is not the 90s i don't um, know why i don't know why i did either <laughs> yeah come come check out gamingage.com uh, your place for news, reviews, previews, basically everything video games. And, uh, you know, come check us out. we got, like I said, I've said it before, I'll say it again. We have some fantastic people that work for that site and some really, really talented writers and some really, really up-and-coming people. So come check it out. Come give feedback, give support to these guys. Um, you know, like I said, we're not, we're, not IG, we're not IGN, we're not GameSpot. Come check us out. We've got some really, really quality folks doing some really awesome stuff right now. Um, so come on in. See what it's all about. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook. It's all under Gaming Age. And then if you want the uh, podcast Twitter, it's GA underscore pressed for time. And that's the number four. Same as the email. Send us feedback, questions. If you want to come on the show, let us know. Uh, if you got a good idea or something you want to pass up to us, send it to us. The email is pressed 4 time at gamingage.com. And then if you want to follow Benny and I, Benny is It's Benny Rose, right? Yes, sir. And I am at that games guy on Twitter. And you can see me tweet about my new dog and building fences and all kinds of other random stuff that has nothing to do with video games. Family. It's always family, usually. Always family. <laughs> Thank you again, like Benny said. Thank you for joining us, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you next week. Take care and have fun, guys.